you to the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church, whose worship service has already begun, but we welcome you and hope that in the remainder of the service you will find the blessing that you stand in need of today. We continue to invite you to join us on our website at www.abundantlifelaslvegaslv.org, abundantlifelv.org. Please get pencil and paper. You want to keep notes today. Get your Bible so that you can follow along. Today we have a guest speaker who is actually a member of our pastoral staff. He is the pastor of the Samoan group that is worshiping uh, under the umbrella of the Abundant Life Church. And this is a plug that I like to put in for all our Samoan brothers and sisters out in Radio Land. If you're looking for a church home or want to come and worship in your native language, please give us a call at 647-2627 that we may give you further instruction. I told my pastor, Jacob, today that I'm going to attempt to pronounce his Samoan name and that he will forgive me if my linguistic skills fall short. His official name is Jacopo Fuo. He was, uh, he said thank you, so I must have done it pretty good. <laughs> we affectionately called him Pastor Jacob. He was born in Western Samoa, and he came to the U.S. in 2003. Prior to coming here, he attended the Pacific Adventist University in Papua, New Guinea. In 2003, he came to the U.S. where he attended our seminary at Andrews University. He's married, and again, forgive me, uh, Ire. Ira, Ira? She's in the mother's room? Okay. But this is the part that he told me that I found so delightful, that his wife's name in Samoan is Jehovah Jireh. God provides. I thought that was beautiful. They have one son, six-month-old, Jacob, and as I've said, he is the pastor of the Las Vegas Samoan group, worshiping here adjacent to the Abundant Life Church. He's bringing us our message today, but before he comes, we will have scripture reading from Naomi Coggs, another sacred selection from Sacrificial Praise, after which time, Pastor Jacob will come to us in his own way, to bring us a word from the throne of grace. I pray that each one of you in Radio Land, as well as those here in the sanctuary, will be blessed as we wait on the Lord today. Today's scripture will be found in First Peter chapter 1, 15 and 16. First Peter Chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. But just as he who, he who called his, you is holy, 
so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy.
Good morning, church. To say that in my language, you say Talofa Lava Ekalesia. Say Talofa Lava Ekalesia. I would like to say on behalf of the Samoan, who will soon be officially members of the Abundant Life Church, thank you once again for accepting us to be part of your congregation. And hopefully, as we grow in quality and in quantity, we will be able to contribute something better to your church and to the ministries here, and also to glorify God. Thank you, Pastor, for the welcome. And thank you for the prayer, and especially the special items. Thank you very much. It gives me courage to stand up here this morning, and may the Lord will be glorified. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for your Holy Spirit to simplify the way I speak and the way I communicate your message to your people this morning, use me as your instrument. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our text of study this morning is from the first epistle of Peter, chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And I will read from the New King James Version, and it reads, But he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I would like to speak about holy living this morning, or what the theologians called sanctification, or right living. I believe that the only sure and perfect example of living a holy and sanctified life was the life of Christ. Amen. The Bible teaches that Jesus' death brings us forgiveness, but his life was an example for any sinner who is justified who wants to live right. Amen. So in other words, to be holy is to be Christ-likeness. Can I hear an amen out there? How many times you hear a pastor preaching about holy living today? I'm sad to say that there are many pastors today who feel hesitate to preach about this subject simply because of our evangelical brothers' claim that holy living is legalism. Amen. By the way, legalistic is an, an attempt to earn forgiving by law keeping. So the question is, does holy living smell legalistic? 
or does it relate to legalism? The answer is no. Never. It's interesting to notice that when the Bible talks about the word holy, it doesn't mean perfect or without sin. Except when it is a reference referred to God because only God is holy and God is without sin. Amen. The original languages of the Bible defines the word holy as set apart for God and for holy use or separate from the common for holy purposes. When the Bible refers to Israel as the peculiar and holy people of God, it doesn't mean that they were a greater nation than other nations. No. It doesn't mean that they were better than other nations. But it simply meant that they were set apart from other nations by the grace of God for him and him alone. Amen. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 4 and 6, if you have time, read that reference. God mentions three times that the Israelites, it was not because of their righteousness why they were possessing the promised land, but it was by grace and by God's faithfulness why they were possessing the promised land. Amen. You know, church, this sanctuary is holy. You know why? It is a house separated from other house for God and for holy use only. It's not for any sacred, secular business, but it's for God and for God only. Tithes and offerings are holy. Do you know why? Because they are the money separated for your income for God and for holy purposes. The money in your pocket is the same as the money in the casino. But why the tithe and offering is holy is because they are the money who are separated from your income for God and for holy uses. Amen. The Sabbath is holy. Why? It is a day separated from other days for God and for God only. And also, God bless it. That's why the Sabbath is holy. So when Peter wrote to the Christians of the dispersion or those who were scattered in Pontus, Galatia, Asia, and other na nations mentioned in verse 1, he encouraged them to live holy just as their God is holy. Why? Number one, there were particular situations facing by these Christians. And what were those situations? First of all, they were facing the beginning of the persecutions by the Roman emperor, Nero especially. And they were suffering these persecutions because of their hope and their preaching in the coming kingdom of God on this earth. Amen. Also, 
they were facing opposition from the pagan world surrounding them and hostility from their unsaved neighbors and families because of their faith in Jesus and the God who is above all idols. Amen. So Peter wrote to give a pastoral counseling, just as any other concerned pastor would do, on how to live under these difficulties. And his counsel was to live holy, to live responsibly, to live as people who are set apart for God, to live as those who are separated from the word for the glory of God. Amen. And if you have time to study the first epistles from chapter 1 to chapter 5, these are his counsels. When they suffer from various trials, rejoice because they are temporary. Amen. First Peter 1 verse 6, it reads, In this, greatly rejoice. Now for a little while. And also, when they suffer from unjust authority, Peter urged them to silence evil men by doing what is good and live like Christ. In 1 Peter 2:18, it reads, Be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Verse 21, for this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example for us that you should follow his footsteps. Amen. And also, when they suffer from doing what is right, the apostle says, be ready to give a testimony of their faith. Amen. In 1 Peter 3, verses 14 and 15, I will read. But even if you should suffer from, for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Amen. Not only that, the apostle encouraged them, when they suffer from religious persecution, be partakers of Christ's suffering. And not only that, when they suffer from the attack of Satan, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says, resist the devil and steadfast in faith. Amen. Do you know, church, suffering does three things to a Christian. Number one, it makes a Christian grow old and die full of complaints. Secondly, it makes a Christian grow out. You know, many people when they are frustrated, face trials, they just eat and eat and they grow out. And they get sick and get mean. And thirdly, suffering makes a Christian grow up and live for the glory of God. Amen. 
So when Peter is trying to tell these Christians, he counsels them is that suffering to a child of God is an opportunity to grow up and live as the one who is set apart for the glory of God. Amen. Would you say amen? amen. Do you know many say that trials develops character? But I believe that trials reveals our true character. Amen. And that's what Peter is trying to counsel these Christians about. And I'm very sad to say that there are many Christians today who grow old but never grow up. Secondly, our text this morning is a command. If you look at the text, be ye holy, for I, the Lord your God, is holy. It's an imperative. Do you know that the gospel has two aspects? Number one, there is an indicative of the gospel. It has to do with our standing before God. Through the cross of Christ, we are standing before God forgiven, or what we call justified, reconciled, and we are adopted back to God as his sons and his daughters. Amen. But remember, we are still sinners. But we are covered by the righteousness of Christ. And the righteousness that is imputed or credited to us is God's gift that comes from being in a right relationship with him today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the following day. Secondly, there is an imperative of the gospel. And it has to do with right living. The command of grace that gave us a right standing before God is to live holy and live right. Let me tell you, friends, that's what our text talks about this morning. It is an imperative. If you appreciate what Christ has done for you on the cross, live holy, live responsibly, live as those who are set apart for God's glory. Amen. Any Christian who appreciates the forgiveness of God, live holy. Just as the choir sang this morning. Live responsibly and live as those who are set apart for God's glory. Number three, holiness in the book of Peter and the book of Leviticus. Do you know that our text this morning is a direct quote from the book of Leviticus, 19, chapter, uh, chapter 19, verse 2? So I believe the context of holy living that Paul is talking about in his epistle is from the book of Leviticus. Because the theme of the book of Leviticus is holiness. It was written about the third month after the children of Israel departed from Egypt. 
It is a guidebook for God's people daily relationship with God and to one another. It guided their worships. It guided their family's way of life. It guided the kind of food they should eat. It guided what they do to their bodies. So Peter quoted from Leviticus 9 and 2, it says, You shall be holy, for your God is what? Is holy. So the question is, how? How should God's people be holy? Do you know Leviticus 18, verse 3, verse helps us to answer that question. This is the kind of life that God expects from his people. If you have your Bible, turn to Leviticus 18, and I will let you read it for us. Leviticus 18, verses 3. If you have your Bible, say amen. amen. Read. Let me summarize it. God told his people, do not do the doings of Egypt, the land where you came from. And do not do the doings or the practice of Canaan, the land where I'm taking you to. Amen. But how? Live as God's special people. Leave as those who are separated. So the question is, what were the doings and the practice of Egypt that God disliked? They worship idols. They practice sexual immorality. They dance. Remember when Moses went up to the mountain to get the, the law? They practice what they used to practice in Egypt. They deny the existence of God. They were living in temperance life. They eat anything. Remember when the children of Israel, they were, when they were hungry in the wilderness? They remember the pots full of what? Full of meat, any kind of meat. And also, the Egyptian. They accumulate wealth. They accumulate wealth. What about the lifestyle of the Canaanites? I believe they have similar practices. So God said to his people, do not follow the practice of the land where you come from. And also do not follow the practice of the land where you are going and where you will reside but live as God's people. Live as those who are set apart because God's people, they eat special food. God's people, they wear special dress. God's people, they worship the special day, amen. We marry one wife and one husband. 
and we believe gay is a lifestyle and not a new sex or gender. Amen. We are different. Well, it's too much about the Israelites, the Egyptians and the Canaanites. But let's bring our message closer to us this morning. Let's say God speaks to us today. My people in the abundant life, be ye holy for I am holy. And then he say, do not follow the practice of the land where you came from. The traditional practice of the land where you came from. Whether you're from Samoa, where you from Philippines, whether you are from Mexico, whether you are from Africa, where? God says, don't follow the traditional practices of the land where you come from. And also God says this morning, do not follow the practice of the land where you will go and live and reside, the land of America. But live as God's people. Live as the separated one. What are some of the practices of the land where you came from that didn't glorify God, that God disliked? Believe some of us, we are from the lands where polygamy is a norm. Amen. Where people worship different kind of idols. Where the payback system is practiced. If somebody do you harm, you do harm in return. It's payback system. I was in Papua New Guinea for four years, and they didn't do that. Maybe you come from the land where pride price is practiced. You buy your wife, and then your wife will become your property. Maybe you come from the land where only parents talk. You know, I come from the land where only the elders and the parents talk. If you are young, just do what you are told. <laughs> it's a nice place to raise kids. And maybe you are coming from the land where child abuse is common. You know, where I come from, culture and tradition is number one. And maybe you come from the place where our body are abused, full of tattoos, your nose and leaves were pierced by a, a bone or a stick. And God says, do not follow the practice of the land the where you came from because it doesn't glorify me. And also he said, do not follow the practice of the land where you are going to reside and live. What are some of the practices of America that God dislikes? You name it. Do you know America, especially California where I used to live, it's the place that shapes the lifestyles of the world. Our movies, our musics, our hairstyles. Yeah, people look at when you color, the way you cut it, and the whole world follow. 
our fashions, our products. You know, an American can have many marriages and many short marriages. Many girlfriends and boyfriends who live together, but they do not believe in marriage. As a consequence, we have over millions of HIV carriers, and about 60% of these people are colored people like us. Oh Lord, have mercy on America. Do you know there are many man-made idols in America that take the place of God? Sports for one. If this is a place where sport is taking place, you stand outside when you come late. Gambling. Popularity. Do you know it's amazing to see young Americans growing up and you know what's in their mind? Their name should be in the Hall of Fame. Money. The casinos, you name them. And in America, everybody talks. Because of the freedom of expression, the old people talks, the young people talks, the media talks, anybody talks. And Darwin's theory is right. The fit the, the fetus survive. Do you know a child in America can threaten his parents to call the social service to avoid discipline? But not in my place. You know, we do not see people here with bones through their nose and their lips, but we see people with rings hanging all over their bodies here in America. There are rings on their ears, rings on their lips, rings on their noses, rings on their tongues, even the places we didn't expect to have rings. There are rings. The American style. Do you know, church, this world is full of confusion. And that's why God expects his people to live as the separated one. We do not follow the former practice of the land where we came from, and we do not follow the practice of the land where we live. But we live as those who set apart. Those who are grown up. We live responsibly. Why? Because we are saved by grace. And we are the sons and daughters of God. Amen. Amen. Amen in my language. Do you know, friends, there are three reasons why God wants us to live holy life. Number one, in Leviticus 11, verses 14 
45. I want you to turn your Bible to Leviticus 11. Verse 45, it reads, For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. The first reason why we as God's people should live responsibly as those who are set apart is because of the gospel. God told his people, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. So therefore live holy because I am holy. You know, my friends, the grace of God that forgives us is the same grace that demands us to live a holy life. In John 18, John 8, verse 11, when Jesus was talking face to face with the woman who was accused of committing adultery, then Jesus told this woman, neither do I condemn you. That's grace. The grace that brought a prostitute woman on the road to become the daughter of God. Amen. The grace that brought a sinner from the mud of sin to become a saint. But that's not all. Jesus continued to say, go and sin no more. That's a grace. That's a demand of God's grace. Go and live holy. Go and live responsibly. Go and keep my law. Go and obey me. Secondly, there is another reason why we should live holy. Leviticus 11, verse 44, it reads, Leviticus 11, in verse 44, would you read it for us, please? God said to his people, For I am the Lord your God. What is he talking about? He's talking about the covenant relationship that he had with his people. He's talking about the contract that he had with his people. That God will be their God. And they will be God's people. So they should lead as God's people and obey their God. Amen. Do you know, as a Christian, we have a covenant with God. He is our God. He will supply all our needs. He will look after us if we love him back. And that's the second reason why we should live as the separated one. The third reason why we should live as the separated one, we go back to the book of Peter. First Peter 1 verse 17, it reads, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judge according to each one's work, conduct yourself. Do you know, friends, 
There is grace. There is a contract between us and God. And there is a day of judgment. There is a day of judgment that God will ask you a question. What have you done to the sacrifice of Christ? God will never ask, are you a sinner? Because we are all sinners. But God will ask, what have you done to the sacrifice of Christ? Does the grace that forgives you make a change in your life? You know, friends, God expects his people to live for his glory. Because if we live to glorify God, we vindicate his name that what is done to a sinner is righteous. Then Peter says, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, is holy. May God bless. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I have to, something to admit before the church. When I got a, a message about Pastor Jacob preaching this week, I was kind of hesitant. I said, a new pastor. I said, how is he going to preach? But we, I have to admit, and I'm sure many of you agree, brothers and sisters, we heard a blessing here today. We received the blessing. We thank you, Pastor, for his inaugural sermon. But as... Pastor Rock always does. It is at this time, brothers and sisters, before we leave, we would open the doors of the church. You cannot hear a message like that without making a decision. And at this time, can we please, it's not going to be a long time I'm going to do this. But if we can please bow our heads and close our eyes. And we ask you as a congregation of people who have heard such a message today, if you heard the Lord speaking to your heart about being holy, but you have never accepted the Lord as your Savior, you never accepted Jesus Christ, at this time, could you please stand? If there was something in Pastor Jacob's message today that pricked your mind or your heart, that said, I want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to be a holy man and a holy woman before him. Would you at this time please stand? And for the rest of us here, a prayer of rededication, an act of rededication. If there was something that was said today in today's message, and I know I'm already standing before you, because there was a lot there. But as an act of rededication, if you would like to stand and say, Lord, I have not lived a holy life before you, but through your grace, through your mercy, through your strength, I, I am determined to live a holy life before you at this time. Would you please stand?
Father in heaven, you see your people. Lord, we heard a powerful message from your word and we praise your name for your manservant, Pastor Jacob, bringing us the word of God. It was spoken plainly. It was spoken clearly. Now, Lord, we're here to make a decision. We're standing before you, Lord, with a determined mind and a determined heart to serve you. But Lord, in and of ourselves, we have no power to overcome sin or to live a holy life. So we plead the blood of Jesus Christ and we plead the power of thy Holy Spirit to come to enable us to do that which we cannot do. Be with us and guide us and bless this decision, Heavenly Father. Bless us throughout the rest of the Sabbath and through each day you give us life. Thank you for hearing and answering this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, you may be seated. Let the Lord be praised. We will not have a lunch today. So our next time that we'll get together is at the, um, the social this evening at 8. I pray that you'll continue to enjoy the rest of the Sabbath. Let us stand and for our benediction, let's repeat the misper together. May the Lord watch between you and me when we're absent one from another. Amen. Please be seated.